0: Welcome back everyone to another episode of Eat, Sleep, Parent,
1: Repeat alongside of my co-host Jessica. How you doing boo? I'm exhausted. I just finished a 12-hour overnight shift and then I have uh, two more in a row so I'm like ready for bed even though it's 10 o'clock in the morning.
0: (laughs) You guys can't see this unless Adam actually ever puts this on YouTube but she's totes in bed right yeah, now like,
1: recording damn it, guys
0: I, <laughs> I mean low key so am I but that's just because the only private room I could go in was my bedroom and my bed <sighs> is about 75% of my room so um really no choice but to sit here. Um anyways yes my boo here she's just a superhero she's fucking exhausted and I can just see it in her but she does it our healthcare heroes love mm-hmm. you boo <laughs> Um, anyway, guys, so to kick off the new year, even though we're in February already, which by the way, where the hell did January go? Cause like, I kind of like thought Christmas was like last week. Yeah. I don't even know what happened, but, um, to kick off the new year starting in February, um, Jessica and I, we decided to talk about controversial topics. Um, in other words, taboo topics. Uh, So we kind of decided to address this because um, as you guys know, we talk about a lot of stuff that pertains to being a modern day mom. And there are some things that may have changed over times, like from what our parents or our grandparents believe to what newer modern research has shown. And I know that a lot of first time moms out there have so, 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 so many questions, ourselves included. Um, so we just thought we would kind of cover these topics, give our opinion on it. Uh, and you guys can either let us know if you agree or disagree. So, to kick things off, we're going to start bold in the face <laughs> with the taboo topic that is lying to your children. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So, um I have a quote, but before I share the quote, I wanted to know what Jessica's general stance on it was. So, go ahead.
1: Okay, um so you and I had kind of, like, briefly talked about this before recording today, but um, I think it's, like, obviously depends on the circumstance, um, but personally, like, little white lies, not a big deal, as long as it's not hurting anyone, hurting anyone's feelings, um, whether that be, like, right now or in the future, then it's not a big deal, in my opinion. But obviously, if it's a lie that will come back and affect you or affect the person that you're lying to, obviously your children, um, then that's where, like, the line is kind of drawn. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm um... So to
0: be completely honest, my general stance on it is I kind of disagree um, in a way. So before I continue, I'll just share the quote that I was going to say. So basically, it's just just a general quote I found on Google about lying to your children. Um, And it says, as long as your child won't find out the truth in that moment, you're not causing them any harm and you're not deceiving them in some vast way that breaks down trust. Occasional small lies are probably fine. So I would just like to highlight one word in that quote, which is probably they are probably fine, which. okay, sure. But I don't know if it's just because I have a guilty conscience, or if it's just because my son tends to remember everything I freaking say. And he's only he's not even two and a half yet. I just I tend to find ways to tell him things that that just are the truth. And I mean, at his particular age right now, I don't, I don't find myself needing to lie too, too much. I mean, I will, I will intentionally say something with the purpose of it being a lie. Like if he's, whining and doesn't want to go to sleep then I will I will like sit down I'll talk with him and I'll tell him if he goes to sleep and has a really good nap uh we can go to grant we can go to Nana's this afternoon or we can we can go to the park when you wake up or something like that like things that will just entice him to want to go to sleep because then he gets something when he wakes up and so it's not like I like I said, I said it in that moment with the intention of it being a lie, but then he'll wake up and within the first 45 minutes of being awake, he'll be like, mommy park, Nana's house. I'm like, yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> like, you remembered that. <laughs> it's like, I, I, had just
1: no, <laughs> I had
0: no intention of going this afternoon, but okay. <laughs> like, I guess we are. Um, so For me, like just right now with the age that Caleb's at, I'm like, well, there's just no there's just no point. And lying to him because he's probably going to remember what I said anyways. And I I don't want him to be going to daycare and starting to repeat the things that I'm saying. So it's not like I would tell him a bad lie or anything, but I mean, he's definitely starting to pick up on everything that we're saying. And I don't know where he got this notion from, but he keeps coming to me and saying, mommy, another baby, baby sister. And I'm like, my heart is just fucking breaking because I want nothing more than to give him a sibling but where did that come from like he must have picked that up at daycare so if he's mm-hmm. picking things up and bringing it home who's to say that if he goes to daycare and says something that other children aren't going to pick it up and bring it home and yeah. what if the lie I told him another parent didn't exactly find appropriate
1: mm-hmm.
0: right so for me I personally do Don't think it's a great idea. Like if you can avoid it, I would say avoid it. Now, I guarantee that in another like two years from now, I'm going to look back on this podcast and my kid's going to be almost four and a half years old and I'm going to just say whatever I can just to get him out of my hair, like I'm sure. But for now, I personally think if you can avoid it and try to just like promise things that are semi-obtainable then I would say maybe maybe go for that route. But of course, if there's like some type of extreme circumstance, then you want to give your children a lot of positivity. So something that comes to mind, as awful and dark and morbid as it sounds with the world we're living in today, it unfortunately is a reality. If a family member gets sick and your child is really sad and they're in the hospital and like you genuinely believe this is it, like they're not going to be okay you're just going to tell your child like, no, sorry, like Nana's not or grandma's not or whatever. Like they're not going to be, you know, like you're going to, you're going to want to give them the positivity and tell them that they're very, very, very sick. But you know, that, that's just, that's one of those circumstances where I think, I think in the moment as a parent, you have to decide what's best for you and your child.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So um, yeah, that's, that's a, kind of my take on lying to your children. Um, I do agree that in some instances it can be okay. It's just for myself personally. I try to avoid it, mainly because it's probably gonna come back to bite me in the ass anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's just that's my
1: take on it. Do you have anything else to add to that? Um I don't know. Kind of like just I was just thinking about what you were saying about like if the grandparent is sick or whatever. Um so like I don't know some some of the listeners may know if they know me um my mom was recently diagnosed with breast cancer so as an example of a little white lie that we told to my son um was that you know like we we told him that nana's sick and nana has to go get medicine and go to the doctors and he loves coming with me to drive Nana to the doctors and go pick Nana up from the doctors. But, you know, we we told him when my mom started losing her hair that, you know, Nana was just going to go get a haircut. And that's why Nana didn't have any hair anymore. Um, So like just an example of like a little white lie that's not actually hurting anyone, but I feel like that would if we told them the truth that would cause some big emotions that a 2-year-old in my opinion shouldn't have to have um mm-hmm. if necessary so I don't know just an example
0: No actually I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think that that's I think that that's a really really good um example to give like obviously like that's something so Physical, I guess when I brought it up, I was more so thinking like when they're in the hospital and because of COVID right now, you can't see them. But yeah, you bringing sure. up your mom is a really, really, really good example of I think when it's appropriate to use a white lie. And right. I say that because it's such, like her losing her hair is such a physical thing. And that's something that a two year old's going to notice. Right. Right. Like my like my two year old is a bit speech delayed, but he started like he's now just like going all freaking day. Like, God help me. But he he notices things like his hair, like when we're in the shower, he's like hair wet.
1: I'm like, guess mm-hmm. your
0: your hair is wet, honey. And then when we're when we're all done, and I'm shaking the towel and drying his hair and all that, he's like, hair dry. So like, he he notices those things. And Elias is so much more advanced verbally than than Caleb is at this particular point in time. So like, Elias would definitely notice, like, mummy, where's Nana's hair? Yeah. And exactly. to say that she just went to get a haircut, I think was a really 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 good example of what to do in that situation because to say like oh well the medicine nana's taking is making all of her hair fall out like you're gonna make him terrified like what is what happens the next time he has an ear infection or something and he needs medicine and he's gonna be like but all my hair is gonna fall out mommy
1: and that and you know what like that is exactly like one of the the biggest reasons that we did just make it like a haircut experience is because like my mom was super nervous that she was going to make him scared of her because she was losing her hair and that she was going to be bald and that she was wearing scarves and stuff. And actually it's really cute. Her first scarf that she bought was a Paw Patrol scarf because she wanted to make sure that like he was like included and that he wasn't going to be like nervous around her. So I love that. I remember when you told me that
0: too. Yeah. That's so sweet. But yeah, like, thank you so much, Jess, for sharing that, um, Mm -hmm. that experience, because I think that was a really, like, that's a really good example, in my opinion. And I like, I don't think I could have handled that any better myself. Yeah. Like, I truthfully think that if it was me in that situation, I would have been like, oh. No, you know, what? I don't even know what I would say. Like i
1: sitting here thinking about it I'm like, I have no way. I would have I would have texted you. I would have been like, what do I tell Love? <laughs> yeah, like you really you don't know unless unless you know, unless you're in the situation, right? So.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um okay, so, uh, moving on to our next taboo topic. And this one is really taboo, especially for modern moms.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When to start solids. Mhm. I feel like this deserves an even bigger dun dun dun. Right? Because <laughs> like people are like, Oh, I'll lie to my child, I don't give a crap. But then people are like, I saw solid- I started solids at four months, and then someone's gonna be like, What the fuck is wrong with you? It's supposed to be six months and blah, You're blah, kill- blah, blah. baby. You're gonna kill your baby and oh, well, like modern research has shown. Okay, so this one's this one is tricky and it's it's a sticky topic, not just because foods related, but on um, Okay, that was terrible. Um, oh God! I'm such a mom, okay, <laughs> oh God, okay, so um, when to start solids? I think that I think it depends, and obviously it depends on the stages of readiness, which I should have readily had that list prepared, and I do not <laughs> um. But I will find one when Jessica's talking. Um, So I think it depends on the stages of readiness. And I think it depends on your doctor's opinion. And I think it depends on your opinion based on how much you know your child. Um, Like, I think there's a lot of depending factors. So I'll let you kick things off because I'm going to find that list. Okay,
1: well, I think I actually know most of the list off the top of my head. I know there's, there's five stages. So they have to be sitting completely unassisted. They have to not have the tongue thrust, um, reflex anymore. Um, oh gosh, maybe I don't know. (laughs) Those are just the two that come to mind. Um, but I also wanted to mention, um, another like circumstance that is very dependent on your child is like, if your child was born, around their due date or like actually on time, or whether they were a preemie or not. Um, Because technically since Elias was six weeks early, um, he technically shouldn't have started solids. Okay, so if we're gonna go by like the new modern six month um, mark, he technically shouldn't have started solids until he was seven and a half months, almost eight months because of his corrected age now personally we didn't wait until seven and a half eight months because he was meeting all of those um readiness steps and we got the okay from our pediatrician to go ahead and start solids Um, actually our pediatrician gave it gave us the okay around five months um, but we did wait until closer to six months just because i felt more comfortable doing that um but you know what i think it it really does depend on every child and how comfortable you feel feeding your child because if you're not comfortable feeding your child whether they're 6 months or 8 months or 4 months then it is not a safe experience for the child um like Personally, I feel like every parent should have to go through like a CPR course before they start even going anywhere close to solids. Even then have
0: a backup person because I am fully CPR and first aid trained. And when Caleb choked the first time, I completely froze and screamed for Adam. Right. So, like, And he just like ran in and was like, scoop and like yeah. took it out. And I was like,
1: oh, OK. <laughs> right. So like. <clears throat> um. yeah I don't know I think there is like you were saying like there's so many um, benchmarks that they have to hit personally for me to say when the appropriate time is I don't think I could go by like just a date like his his he six months exactly to the date okay now we can we're gonna have bacon and eggs for breakfast and we're gonna have burgers for dinner and you know yeah, no, there's definitely like
0: ways to start it. And I mean, that also kind of goes into like a co-topic of when to start solids and that's BLW, like baby lead okay. weaning. So yeah. are you going to feed your babies puree uh, pureed foods or are you going to just go straight to giving them little it's it's in bits pieces from your plate? Mm-hmm. Um I found the list. Um <laughs> So the signs to indicate that your baby is developmentally ready for solid foods include, and Jessica got the top two, which is baby can sit up well without support. And baby has lost the tongue thrust reflex that does not automatically push solids uh, out of his mouth with his tongue. Uh, The next one is baby is ready and willing to chew. Uh, Baby has has uh, or is developing the pincer grasp where Mm -hmm. they're able to pick up food and other objects between thumb and forefinger using the fingers and scraping the food into the palm of their hand yada 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 and then lastly baby is eager to participate in mealtime so you were a little bit different with Elias because of his whole corrected age thing Kayla was one week early exactly Um, like he was born the Sunday before he was His due date. So he was only a week early. Um, so realistically, Caleb has no corrected age. Like he was full term. Yeah. And he was a chunky baby. (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) But what's so strange is like I look back at photos and like, yes, he was chunky, but he wasn't even like he was just solid. He was like a west flower. Yeah, he still is. Um, but he was just, he drank so much formula. It was unreal. I was like, Adam and I were spending so much money. Not that we cared about the money part of it, but like, just to give you an example, it was, and Jessica knows this because I would text her like freaking out. If you, if you guys listening know of the Dr. Brown's formula pitcher, um, in other words, the poor man's formula pro, (laughs) <laughs> um, the formula pitcher is only like 20 bucks and you could usually get it on sale at Amazon for like 12. So yeah. it's literally like a juice jug and it's got like a hand pump that you just pump it up and down. And it's got like a wheel that twists, which mixes the formula and the water together to make their milk. And so I think at its max capacity that it
1: can hold, it was like 46 ounces or something like that. Yeah. Something around that 40, 46, something like that. It was in
0: there. It was like in the mid to high forties that,
1: um, that it could hold.
0: My son was drinking one and a half of those a day. Yeah. And that's meant for like 46 ounces is supposed to be like more than enough for one day. And by the time I like, so my son would have his first feed, like usually in the morning between like 3 and 4 a.m. Like he would have his last feed around nine ten o'clock at night and then he would go to bed and then like this is obviously at his peak. This is not when he was first born because obviously he was waking up more often than that. But like at his peak of when he was having the most formula, he would go to bed around nine ten o'clock at night and then he would wake up around 3, 4 o'clock in the morning for a feed. So that first feed at 4, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning – until his last feed that night. Around nine ten o'clock at night. So in that 24 hour period. Was a jug and a half. Of formula. Yeah. And most babies. On average. <laughs> only have like. 32 ounces a day. Of formula. So my son was exceeding that. Like beyond compare. And he was still getting. Angry. Like furious, angry after he would finish like an eight to nine ounce bottle. I remember this. the whole fucking thing and be furious when it was done. Like it would be bone dry and I would take the bottle away and he would start wailing. And I'm like, what kind of a kid can eat this much? And so he was around four to four and a half months when this was happening. And I knew that, babies used to start solids at four months so at his checkup for his four month checkup I was telling my doctor about this I was like I know that like generally you need to be waiting and like waiting until closer to six months to start the solids but like it almost seems like formula is not Is not helping him. Like it is doing nothing for him. And so she gave me the okay to start with baby cereal. And I know that that's like a whole other topic in itself because there's just zero nutritional value to it. Mm -hmm. Totally get that. But I needed to know about the tongue reflex because that was the only thing I wasn't sure about. Caleb was so advanced with sitting up on his own. He was sitting up on his own completely unassisted with around four it was around four months it was in January of um, 2020 so he was not even four months yet when I have the first video of him sitting up by himself for like two three minutes Um, so he was really advanced on that he was showing interest in food ever since he was like two months old he yeah. was watching us eat and he's like <laughs> like just like looking up at us with like this like open mouth and his hands just like reaching towards it um, and then he was starting to hold things. I, I wouldn't say he necessarily had the pincer grip, but he was definitely holding things on the palm of his hand. So um, yeah, the only, the only true, like really truthful sign that I wasn't certain of was the tongue reflex. Mm-hmm. And there was no way I was going to find that out without putting something in his mouth.
1: Yeah, like so, without
0: trying. Mhm. so it was around four and a half months old after his doctor's appointment in February that I went ahead and was like okay I went and bought the cereal and just strictly because I wanted to find out about this tongue reflex and when I first put it in his mouth he was very confused as mm-hmm. any baby would be but then it was one of those like Ooh, he was like reaching out for more. Like he instantly wanted more. So I was like, okay, like I, I'm, I'm just gonna start. I'm just gonna start now. So he was almost five months when Mm -hmm. when we started. So we were, we didn't quite make it to the six month mark, but he had every single sign there, and formula just wasn't doing it for him anymore. So. I obviously still kept feeding him formula, but I mean, by the time we had started throwing solids in there, we had finally cut down from 46 to 48 ounces a day to like 32, 36. So we were like now just at that around average mark yeah, of other babies and what they drink in a day. And I cut out the cereal pretty fast. I was definitely one of those moms that's like, nope, I'm making my own baby food. I don't agree in the baby jars. Not that I think there's anything wrong with it. It's just... I'd rather make my own food at home and my dad bought me the baby bullet, which it was his money wasted. So that's fine. (laughs) Um, I really appreciated it. Like I used it every single day um, as long as he was eating the purees. So and that's what I did. And until he was six months old, I didn't do any solid foods. It was just the like solid, like actual, like put together foods. Yeah. Yeah. So I did purees and I just made him homemade puree stuff like carrots and broccoli and peas and squash and uh, sweet potato and all of those things and he he absolutely loved it and he would have um, like one serving of purees at lunch and one serving of purees at dinner and then the rest of the day it was just formula. And then yeah, by the time he was six months old, the very very, very first thing first solid solid food that I gave him, if I remember correctly, I think was scrambled eggs. And by that point, he was able to actually pick up stuff um so he was picking up the eggs and putting it in his mouth and he still didn't really use a pincer grip. He would like pick it up with his whole fist and like like nom on it on in his fist yeah, but but at that point, like he was very familiar with the whole thing. so ultimately, what I think it comes down to is like you said, the signs of readiness should be there because obviously, if any of those things aren't there, then you shouldn't even be considering it. Um, but then also I think Jess made a good point about you need to make sure that you're ready because it is definitely a scary experience to start foods, especially if you're going right into baby lead weaning and you're Mm. just giving them food right off of your plate because like they, while they can choke on purees, purees can't get lodged in their throat.
1: Yeah, for sure. Actual,
0: like solid, solid food can. And that's a very, very scary experience. And also, while we're on the topic of food, I wanted to mention if there's any foods you're scared of, my advice, and I'm taking this strictly from like a doctor, is like scary foods like peanut butter. The sooner you try it with your child, as long as your doctor obviously hasn't instructed you otherwise, the sooner the better is what I was always told and understood. And believe me, the first time I gave Caleb peanut butter, like there's nobody in my family with a peanut allergy or Adam's side of the family. So we knew there was a pretty good chance it would be okay. But we lived around the corner from the hospital. Adam had the car on standby. Adam was there with me. I had my phone ready to call 911. Like I was fully prepared that in case this went in his mouth and something like immediately happened and he had like an anaphylactic shock to it. I was prepared, so <laughs> I would definitely like keep that in mind. But if there is food that you're nervous about, I would definitely try it sooner rather than later. I think the only thing at this point Caleb hasn't had is shellfish, and that's mostly just because we don't eat any shellfish
1: in this house yeah. ever. So, also keep in mind, like just as a little pointer, um, gagging is normal, choking is not. Your ba- your baby is gonna gag. Um, it's just because they that's just how they their reflexes are right they have such a strong gag reflex um but like I said earlier make sure you get yourself first aid CPR trained like choking is not normal gagging is okay
0: (laughs) yeah no that's a really that's a really strong point to bring up I completely agree there is an obvious difference like for the sake of those those of us that aren't sure because and I I'm not calling anyone like out on this it's just I was unsure as soon as you hear that like like kind of noise your body freezes and you're like oh my god but if that's all that comes out that is a gag it's once they're coughing and like and like making unable to breathe sounds that's when you need to panic but like if you just hear like the kind of noise then it's okay to freeze and look over and just pay really really close attention. I'll, you should be paying attention the whole time, but like you know what I mean just watch watch watch. Okay, we're good and then move on. Um definitely a good point to bring up because I'm like giving giving foods puree or solid is is a scary thing to do, but it's also so much fun. Like I had so much fun Exploring new foods with Caleb and making him the food. I felt like a little Miss Martha Stewart in my kitchen making all of his pureed food and discovering which ones stain his utensils and never making them again. And and all of that stuff. Like it was so much fun. He loved sweet potato and he loved carrots and he loved peas and he hated broccoli. Oh, he hated it so much. He loves it now, but he hated it when it was pureed. And he hated avocado. I've never actually tried it again with him. I mainly because that. I hate avocado. Didn't I give you all of the avocado that I made? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he freaking hated it. Oh my gosh. But yes, it was so much fun to see what your baby's habits were and what they enjoy and what they don't enjoy. Because then, not that I'm saying to start with purees, like do whatever is best for you. But since I started with those purees, a lot of that was stuff that I never personally eat. Like, I mean, I never ate sweet potato, really. Right. So when I but when I realized that he had these preferences, when I did start doing BLW with him, I would incorporate something that he liked into the dinner that I was making. So instead of making like regular French fries, I would make sweet potato French fries or um, instead of making uh, like OK, so instead of just doing a regular vegetable, I would make butternut squash and then he would have some butternut squash or something like that. So it it really was so much fun and it really is such an exciting new journey to do with your baby. So enjoy it. Just make sure you're both ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. OK, so the next topic is. A difficult one, but I think it's OK to talk about it. And that is not enjoying motherhood. Uh-huh. Okay, so I'll start with this one. <laughs> um, so, especially for first-time moms, like I think not that not that second or third or multi-time moms don't have a reason to feel this way, but I just think that when you are a mom for the very very first time, you're discovering just how hard it is to have a child for the first time. And when you have a second or third child, there's absolutely an adjustment period. And maybe based on your own personal mental health, there may have been a reason why the second child hit you harder than the first child or or something like that. Like, I am not discrediting that at all. I think the only thing I'm getting at is if you're having another baby, you already kind of have an idea of what you're getting yourself into because you've had a baby already. Um so that's why I say, especially for first time moms, but this can be for any mom. It's hard to enjoy motherhood. I'm just going to come right out and say that. And I say that because it is such an adjustment to your life. And I don't even remember, I was actually talking about this with Adam last night. I was like, do you even remember like what we did before Caleb was around? Because I, I don't like, I can't remember a time where we just like had nothing to do. And it's, it's bizarre, but that's just what happens. Your life becomes so busy when you have a child and in the first few stages when your baby's born, it's mentally and physically exhausting because you're running on very minimum sleep and you have this little infant child that you now have to care for, who depends on you for every single waking moment and sleeping moment of their life. And yes, when you first, when you're first trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant, there's just, there's so many emotions and you're so excited to have this wee little baby that you can cradle in your arms and don't get me wrong. Like it's, it's okay to be so excited to have a baby. And then the baby gets there and you're like, what the hell was I thinking? Right. And it's okay. And I'm just going to say that there have been multiple points in my life thus far where I have just not enjoyed being a mom. I don't enjoy the fact that my two year old yells at me and I went from having a sweet little innocent baby to somebody's snack bitch. I don't (laughs) enjoy that. (laughs) That
1: That's literally like one of the first things that Elias said to me when I got home this morning. He's like, mommy snacks. (laughs) <laughs> i guess it's right morning how about breakfast
0: <laughs> right like i don't enjoy being a little person snack bitch no thank you i don't enjoy waking up early every morning on the days that i could sleep in i don't enjoy the fact that whenever i just want to go out i can't because i can't just leave my child here <laughs> if he's sleeping right like there's there are pieces of it that i really that i really don't enjoy and it can be very tricky especially if you're struggling with something like postpartum and you your child makes you angry or you just you just like you you, you have a moment where you're like oh i just i just don't want this baby anymore or or something like that if you're listening to this podcast and you're feeling that way, I want you to know that that is so normal. Like you are not alone in feeling like that. It's just, you might feel like you're alone because not a lot of people want to come out and say something like that because they're going to get dirty looks or you're going to get the reaction from those freaking internet haters who are like, well, you chose to be a mom. So like you chose this life. You can't complain. And it's like, you know what? Fuck off, Karen, because, or, (laughs) Susan or whatever horrible name you probably have but you you have no idea what it's like until you're actually there and you're the one experiencing it and yes both Jessica and I are moms that chose to be moms like our our children were planned and we wanted it this way and there have still been moments that her and I are like what the hell were we thinking (laughs) yeah right and that's going to happen
1: Yeah, like, we've both had our had our moments. We've both struggled. Um, I mean, for the first, like, I want to say year of the boys lives. We just had like, it was just like an ongoing conversation of like, whenever one of us was up in the middle of the night feeding our boys, like, we just text the other person and be like, okay, here's the update from the past three hours. This is what happened. (laughs)
0: I remember that. Oh, my God. I remember, too, like we would text each other and be like, you awake <laughs> or like check to see if we're active on Facebook or something. Yeah. Oh, man, I remember that. Like I used to wake up with Caleb in the middle of the night. And once we got him into some type of routine, I would always let Adam sleep through the night because he uh, worked seven to threes at the time. So I would always let him sleep through the night and then I would do all the night feedings. And then when he got up in the morning, which was usually like between 630 and 730, Adam would get him and I would sleep until like whenever my heart desired. (laughs) So um, that was how Adam and I had worked it out, because that's just what worked for us.
1: Mm -hmm. And.
0: So when I would get up in the middle of the night, God bless Disney Plus for coming out when it did, because yeah. I would literally wake up and I'm a fucking zombie getting his formula ready and putting it in the bottle warmer, go grab him from the crib and change his diaper. And my eyes are like barely cracked open and I would go and I would sit on the couch. I would turn on Disney Plus, play me some fucking Hannah Montana or Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Remember what it was like to be in my youth? And <laughs> sit there and feed my baby. And not even, not even three to five minutes into feeding my baby, mm-hmm. I, my phone buzzes. And Jessica's like, So Elias has been up since midnight. And blah, <laughs> blah, <laughs> blah. like giving me the update from the whole evening. And I'm like, yes, girl. And we had each other to text, which was just great. Um, So I definitely encourage you, like if you are the only one that you know who has a young child, if there's a way to do it, I know it's really difficult with COVID, and I don't envy you guys at all. But if there's a way to do it, get yourself a mom friend with a child around the same age. Yeah. Because literally like Jessica and I did this together and we knew early on that we were going to be doing it together because as soon as she found out she was pregnant, I was like, Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and for a whole other list of reasons, Adam and I decided we were going to start trying as well. And then it just so happened that Adam and I, well, both Jessica and Connor and Adam and I got pregnant right away. Right. Like, yeah. Like, Jessica was, like, instant. She didn't even, like, have a period after coming off the pill. And then I only had one period, and then my next cycle I was pregnant. Yeah. So, we got pregnant right away. So, we were really, we were 10 weeks apart in our pregnancy. And the only reason our boys are three and a half months apart apart, is because Elias was born six weeks early. Had he had gone straight to his due date or beyond, they would have only been two months apart. Yes. Three and a half. So yeah, it's, it is difficult being a mom. And if you don't enjoy it, you're not alone. You just have to remember to really focus on the good things, you know, focus on this little child, this little life that you created and what you want him or her to be when they grow up and, and really just enjoy them while the, while they are the age they are, because one day, eventually, though it seems like a lifetime away, they are going to grow up. They are going to be able to take care of themselves. And you probably will be looking back and wondering, where did my sweet little baby go? Right. Right? And, And that's totally normal. So as hard as it is, and I tell myself this day in and day out, as hard as it is, try to enjoy whatever phase they're in right now, because it is just a phase. It is not the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> Silence. You're right? Like, go get Adam to edit some, like, music or...
1: <laughs> oh, and, like, just to add, I'm sure Cassie will, like, 100% agree with me, but if you are listening to this and you are, like, having a hard time, feel free to reach out because, like, even if you need to vent or if you need to be like, what the hell is wrong with my child... Um, Yeah, reach out and just chat with someone like chat with one of us or if you don't feel comfortable with that chat with someone that you know, right? It helps. It really does. And
0: I'm glad you brought that up as well because absolutely you can always reach out to Jess or myself. You can, if you're a male and you'd really rather a male perspective, you can always reach out to Adam. I don't know if you want to volunteer your husband, (laughs) um, but you can always reach out to Adam. He's always, he's always willing to talk about stuff. Um, And, and if you're not comfortable with that, then yes, just someone, someone, anyone who's close to you, because talking really does help. And you really do need to surround yourself with people, because especially in that newborn phase, where you haven't slept, you haven't brushed, you haven't put a brush through your hair in probably eight days, and you haven't showered in probably five. And like, so much is going on. The importance of stepping out of your house is so important and if you don't want to leave your house then have someone else step in like someone else that's going to come in and give you five like five minutes of a human conversation because it is so important and it is actually life-changing like something as simple as talking to another adult human being is life-changing in that first stage. Um, so our next topic is about having a favorite child. So I'm actually going to back out on this because I have no idea what that's like. I was an only child myself, so I can't even talk <laughs> about my mom having a favorite child. Yes. So your mom's and, favorite child is Charlie. Really? Actually, no, I think it's Krista. I'm not even going to lie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I was an only child and as of right now, Caleb is an only child and maybe I can readdress this when there's another child in the making, but for now
1: that is not happening. So I'm going to let Jessica talk about this one. Yeah. So, um, as you all know, I have my beautiful stepdaughter. She is seven. Um, so there's a five year gap between her and Bubby. Um, and I love her. I adore her. Um, she she is everything to me. She is my own child. Um, but and I don't wanna say that I have a favorite child and I don't wanna make it sound like I am picking Elias over Harley. Um but she's my girl. She's my little rock star. She is like the perfect girl because she can be such a princess but also like such a little tomboy and a little shit (laughs) but it's like definitely a different experience for me because I didn't get to have that like girl phase when she was a baby where like I got to dress her up in like heel outfits and like put bows in her hair and do that stuff so I don't know it's it's a different it's a different feeling for me and it's a hard topic because like Elias came from me and I went through hell and back to get him here and to make sure that we were both alive when we got out of it um so I just want to say that like it's okay that you may have a child that you enjoy spending more time with. It's okay that you may have a birthing experience that you enjoyed more than another. Um, Obviously I don't have anything to compare to um, with Elias's birthing experience, but I mean, it was shit. So his is not my favorite. Um, fair so uh yeah i don't really know where i'm going with this um just to let you all know that like it's okay if you have a favorite and it's okay if you don't um i might get hate for that but i love both my kids in like such different ways that i really like it literally just depends on the moment of which one is my favorite <laughs>
0: And you know what? I was actually going to kind of tack onto that for a second. I think your favorite child will change based on the phase of life that they're in. Yeah. And I mean, I'm going to kind of segue into our next taboo topic, as I mention this, Mm -hmm. which is having a preferred gender. In other words, being disappointed when you find out the gender of your child and it's not what you were hoping for. Yeah. So I'm segueing that in because... I'm not going to lie. And I mean, again, like, I might get hate for this as well, but I wanted a girl. (laughs) Like, I was working at a baby store at the time that I was pregnant and all of these cute little baby girl outfits and the Under Armour and the Nike and the, oh my God, it was so cute. And Mm. I just love the idea of these big bows on their head and these little princess dresses and just having my girl, like... I wanted that so bad and my mom was determined that I was having a girl and I was just praying that I was having a girl and then when we did our gender reveal party Jessica was the first person to find out what I was having because she Ow. was the one that had to blow up the balloons and put them in box. yeah <laughs> but at the gender reveal party when the blue balloons came out for a slight moment I was upset well not upset but like disappointed I guess and I hated myself in that moment for having an audience when I found out the gender because of like well I'm being like filmed like live on Facebook or something and there's like thirty
1: forty people here and I'm just not gonna be like oh <laughs> like when I see the also personally. just to mention Adam is like one hundred percent colorblind <laughs>
0: So, yes. So okay.
1: when the balloons came
0: up and we hugged each other, for those of you that were there or saw the video, you see his head like right up my ear. That's because he's like, "What color are they?" <laughs> and I'm like, "It's a boy." And he's like, "Ah!" <laughs> like, lost. it was so excited. But he is so colorblind, and I tried to pick balloons that would be like obvious, but. Yeah nonetheless that did not happen and he had no idea what color they were when they came out but the thing is too is that I even though I wanted a girl I knew I was having a boy and I knew that mainly because when I went for my anatomy ultrasound they the the woman was like well she was very rude she was like this like Russian woman with an accent that was like aggressively using the wand on my belly. But anyway, she, when I asked her, I was like, well, can you tell what it is? And I told her, I don't want to know. Um, And then I was like, but can you tell what it is? She was like, oh yeah, no question. And I was like, I think that's the moment I knew I was having a boy. And then she also, and I mean, I'm not an ultrasound technician, but She also let me take pictures of the pictures that she took so that way I could uh, show people. And there's this one picture that I have where you can see like his side profile and you see his head and his body. And right at the bottom of his torso, you just see these three bright balls, like they're bright white balls. And then you guys are probably like, well, Kathy, uh, boys only have two balls. (laughs) (laughs) but like yes boys only have two balls but one of them the, the middle one is obviously not probably not an actual ball it's probably the penis but nonetheless I saw these like three bright balls right at the bottom of his torso and I didn't know what that was but it didn't make me think it was a girl that's for sure yeah so I think I knew, I just kind of kept hoping that like I was naive and didn't know anything and, and whatever. So when the blue balloons came out, I kind of already knew. And I think that helped into like my super excited reaction, but I'm not going to lie. I was a little disappointed because I really wanted a girl, but the, my wanting a girl was very, very, very recent. Like it wasn't until I was actually pregnant that I realized I wanted a girl. Before that, I was like, I want to have a boy first so I could have a boy second and I could have the million dollar family and yada, yada, yada. So like growing up my entire life, like always thinking about how one day I would be a mom, I was very much like, I want a boy first. But then it wasn't until I was actually pregnant that I'm like, eh, I want a girl. <laughs> so like it kind of changed, it kind of flip flops back and forth. And I think it's okay to be a little disappointed in the gender. Like everybody yeah. wants, everyone wants something in this world yeah. right like you you have your wants and you want to have a child and you just happen to want a boy or you just happen to want a girl and unfortunately it's a 50-50% chance unless you're having twins and you happen to roll one of each <laughs> But it's a 50-50% chance and you're, you just might not be happy with the result. And I mean, that doesn't mean you're not going to love your child anymore. But that might mean, and this is how it ties back into the having a favorite child. It might mean that if the second time around, you get what you wanted, you might favor that child a little bit more. Right. Adam and I, are gonna. we're going to have another baby. That's not me announcing that I'm pregnant, because I'm not. <laughs> but we are going on it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I am not pregnant in this moment. There is still birth control within my body. <laughs> um, but when we do decide to have another baby, if the world blesses me with the girl that I want oh so bad, then I can already foresee myself favoring the girl over Caleb. And that sounds so terrible because right now he is my world. He is my bundle of joy. He is my little baby. He is my man. Like he is everything to me and he always will be. But when the time comes that I finally get to have that girl, there's going to be so many things that I'm going to want to do with her to bond girl to girl. Like when she gets older, I'm going to take her to the nail salon so we can get manis and petties. I'm going to sit and braid her hair and, and I'm going to learn how to French braid just for her and like French fishtail and all of those things. And so many things that okay, you just got it. Don't worry. <laughs> Thanks girl. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many things that I'm going to want to do with her that I just, can't, that I can't do with Caleb, but, There's something that I realized after I had Caleb, and that was that I am a damn good boy mom. Like, and I wasn't expecting that. I was not expecting to adapt to the role as quickly as I did. And I love shopping for little man clothes. And I just, I love the fact that I have a little man. So while I wanted a girl so badly. I kind of feel like this is the universe's way of giving me my million dollar family that I always wanted. So I'm just like praying that I have a girl the second time. Um, but if I have another boy, well, I just leave him on a mansion's doorstep and we try again. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm obviously kidding. But well, about the mansion part, we might try again for a girl. Maybe we'll just be a three three children household. But Anyway, yeah. So I mean, it's okay to be disappointed. I I was, and I mean, in terms of having a favorite child, I think that's always gonna flip flop.
1: Yeah, 100 you
0: know, It's gonna depend on the phase of life. Like, and you might have two children that are just polar opposites from each other. Like, you'll have one that's like the academia, A plus plus, definitely going to Harvard kind of suit kind of uh, child, and then you might have the other child might just be like. child that barely makes it through high school (laughs) like you just you never know right yeah so we are coming close to the end of our time here and yet we still have a couple of topics that we didn't end up addressing so I'm gonna say let's talk about breastfeeding okay and I'm gonna bring up this one because the taboo topic is choosing not to breastfeed and we both kind of chose not to breastfeed I think that's fair to say yeah well I definitely chose not to breastfeed the kind of is more for you Jess yeah but I'm just coming out and saying that because I know that there are moms out there that want nothing more than to breastfeed and it might be killing them inside to be doing it but they're doing it and if you're one of those moms fucking high five to you girl like bottoms up to you because I tried and but when I say I try I mean I gave about three days worth of effort into it that was it After three days, I was like, I'm fucking done. And uh, mind you, there was extenuating circumstances that went to that. First of all, I really struggled with the fact that I had a C-section. I was, I was like, mentally beaten down because of it because I lost so much independence during recovery. And so I wasn't expecting that at all. And then the next thing was considering I am a woman of humongous. humongous Humongous? fucking boobs you would think that they would produce something and they just they just weren't so the the ladies at the hospital got Caleb to latch once and he latched for about 20 minutes on my one boob and then every time we tried to get him to latch after that he just wasn't latching and I have very small nipples that are like inverted so i have to like sit there and like flick them <laughs> like stimulate them to get them to get them to come out so caleb has something to latch onto but then by the time i would get it to come out he would have so much trouble latching they would just right back inside and it was a fucking never ending battle so i was getting frustrated so i just was like fuck it formula's easier so that that's what I did. And then about a week after Caleb was born, I woke up one morning and the bed was wet, like up by my chest. The bed was all wet. And I texted Jessica and I was like, holy fuck, I think I'm leaking. Like, I was like freaking out because I never leaked during the pregnancy. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. So when something was finally coming out of me, I was like, Okay, I like I got my motivation back. It had been a week since my C-section. I was able to bend and walk and all of that stuff again. So I'm like, all right, let's fucking do this. So my dumbass went and bought the most expensive breast pump on the fucking market. I told her not to. Yes, she did. And <laughs> what a fucking mistake that was. And it was mainly a mistake because it was so expensive because it was a, a double breast pump. And Maybe if you're like a B cup and you can put the cups on and then one of those bandeau thingies to hold it in place so you can be fucking superwoman pumping milk and doing the dishes at the same time. Good for you, Karen. But I definitely am not one of those people. And I had to hold my tit with one hand, hold the cup, With the other hand. And then had to get my husband. To turn the dial on the pump. Because I couldn't fucking do anything else. So I ended up only doing. One boob at a time. Anyways. And so what a waste that was. But. Nonetheless. That morning. When I leaked. I texted Jess. And she was like. This is going to sound exhausting and painful. But just like hand pump. Just go at her. So I'm like. Okay. So I'm sitting there, I'm squeezing my tit, like going at it. And I see these little like driplets coming out and I'm like, woo, and I grab Caleb's little like bottle and I'm like scraping it off my nipple. And I managed to pump like half an ounce out of my boob just from like hand massaging it. And then I'm like, that's it. I'm going to buy the most expensive breast pump on the market. So that's exactly what I did. And the first time I pumped with it, I got a whopping five ounces out of it. And I was like, yes, girl. Yes. And I was so proud of myself and I was ready to go because I really did want to breastfeed. I always told myself that I didn't get a breast reduction when I was like 18 because I was going to want to breastfeed when I grew up. And I'm like, this is my time. This is my moment. I'm like standing there with like the superwoman pose, ready to go, holding a cup on each side. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like ready to fucking go and I'm like mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. and I was I so proud of my- exactly how it sounds by the way for those of it, you that don't know <laughs> it literally is it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the five ounces came out and I texted Jessica and I was like what do you think and she was like bro that's fucking amazing and I was like I'm killing it and I was so happy and so excited Until the next time I pumped and absolutely nothing came out. And it continued that way for three days. So by the third day, I was like, fuck this shit. I'm out. Went back to the store. And that is why my child was formula fed. Because I was so pissed off and so discouraged. And when I went to see my doctor that week, on that third day that I decided to give up, my doctor was like, you're not going to produce anything if you're stressed. And you're going to remain stressed until you produce something. You're in a losing battle. And I was like, all right. And that is where ladies and gentlemen, the term in my life fed is best became my best friend because my baby was still fed and they got, he got the nutrients that he needed. And at the end of the day, that is all that mattered. The end. (laughs) So (laughs) my point is if you are struggling or you just flat out weren't able to right off the right off the get go. It's your own choice what you decide to do. If you want to keep trying, then like I mean all the power to you. You're stronger than I was. But or if you're if you're now successfully doing it and you're just finding that it's like draining your body or whatever or if you're one of those moms that manages to breastfeed like all the way through the first year. Oh, I don't even, I don't even know how you do it. Like I, I applaud you. I bow down to you because even if I was able to, able to successfully breastfeed, I do not foresee myself breastfeeding beyond like the six month or seven or eight month mark. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying I would stop the breast milk at that point. Obviously I would keep pumping supply, but like just I, I don't foresee myself breastfeeding an active child. So like mm-hmm. once my child is crawling or something like that, see ya. Like I just <laughs> I I don't I don't foresee you yeah <laughs> being a big child launched onto me. Like sorry, I will still pump for you and I will leave the bottle in the fridge and you can drink it out of the bottle as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. But if you're able, if you're one of those moms that's able to keep going, then girl, I don't know how you do it. Send tips my way. Cause like, I do want to have another child. I do want to give another go at breastfeeding. I definitely want to give a better go th- at breastfeeding this time. I definitely am buying a cheaper single breast pump, but <laughs> I, uh, I want to try again, nonetheless. And I want to try a little bit harder. So for those of you that struggled at the beginning and made your way through and found the light at the end of the tunnel, or in this case, the milk at the end of the Whatever's inside of your boobs, <laughs> send your tips to me because I struggled. And if you gave up just like I did, then like join the club sister because that shit is hard. Thoughts, Jessica?
1: Um man, I don't know. You kind of just went at her there.
0: I know, I'm <laughs> really sorry. I was very passionate about that one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's okay. Um I mean, so I had a very, well, I, yeah, kind of very different, um, experience with breastfeeding. Um, because Elias was early, he was in the NICU for 14 days. Um, and because of that, um, I didn't actually, well, rewind a little bit because of my own health issues, um, I wasn't even able to see him for the first 24 hours after he was born. Um, So like that magical moment where like your baby just comes out or like they just pull it out of your belly and then they like put it on your chest and you're like immediately doing skin to skin. I didn't get that. I didn't get that for over 24 hours. Um, So that super sucked. And I feel like that had a big impact on how I felt <clears throat> about breastfeeding. Um, so while we were in the NICU, we tried to breastfeed um, a total of, I think four or five times. Um, meanwhile, I started pumping um, the night that he was, third. sorry, the night after he was born. Um, immediately, they they being the nurses in the NICU, had asked me if it was okay for them to supplement formula for him because he, since he was so young um, and since I wasn't producing anything yet because he was so young and so early, um, I said yes, thinking obviously that My child needs to eat something because he's no longer in my body to get that nutrients that he should have been getting for another six weeks. So I started pumping and I pumped for just over a month. Um, But throughout that whole month, it was a very hard experience um, because I had a C-section and because he was in the NICU for two weeks, I had to pump around the clock while I was at home and then transport transport the breast milk to the hospital and it was a very hard situation that I was in so once I came to the conclusion that I was no longer going to be trying because I wasn't producing enough the weight of it off of my shoulders was amazing because trying to pump and still feed your baby at the same time. Like I would wake up in the middle of the night, change his bum, feed him. Connor would put him back to sleep and then I would go and pump. So like I was up for twice the amount of time that he was and then I would go to sleep and then like half an hour later he was up because he wanted to eat again. Um, so once I made that decision that like I couldn't pump anymore um, because I wasn't producing enough, It was a huge weight off of my shoulders in terms of the stress that it was putting on my body and my mind. But then I also had that mom guilt of, you know, just try one more time, just try for another week, just try for another month. Right. So real. But you know what? Mom guilt sucks and it's very real But you're not alone, and whatever you choose to do, whether it be breastfeeding, exclusively pumping, um, formula feeding, combo feeding, whatever, as long as your baby is fed and healthy, that's all that matters. And it took me a long time to accept that, but that's really all that matters. Like, like you were saying, like, fed, fed is best. Like, that's, that's the goal, guys. We just want to have healthy babies.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, like, it's, it's always gonna be a struggle of what am I doing? Am I doing it right? Is there something better I can be doing? And not just in terms of feeding, like, every decision you make as a parent is, questionable like you're like I could be doing better I could be doing worse am I doing enough like there's always going to be so much and that's why I thought it was important to address these controversial topics because and there's more there are there's like there's more on my list we just don't have time to get to them today like Um, for part two right um But yeah, like there's more on my list. There's more that I didn't touch on. There's more we didn't even think of, I'm sure. And you're always going to question what the right thing to do is. And all I can ultimately say is you got to do what is best for you and your baby and your family. Like that, that's all you can do is your best. And if what you're doing is not working then change it and change it to whatever is going to work or whatever you think might work as long as you are still falling within the parameters of being a good parent and your child is healthy then as far as i'm concerned you're doing it right like you're you're doing you're doing something right yeah. so Um, I'm going to say that we will end it on that note. Um, and if you guys have any questions or any other, um, topics that you might think of in case we do a taboo topics part two, one day or something like that, feel free to send them to us. Uh, we're always willing to talk about what our opinions are. If we do another episode like this, then we can always get another mom who maybe might have a completely different opinion than Jessica and I, that might be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, until uh, until next time, my bestest boo boo, who's gonna go to sleep now?
1: Shoot, I so sure I'm tired. am.
0: You <laughs> am <I'm> so tired. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode, and uh, I guess until next time, I don't have any wine today, but uh, no. bottoms up. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Take care, guys. <laughs> Mwah.